I had a million dollars. Hot dog! I'm Joel Vulcan. Welcome to Small BizCast, where twice a month I explore the lives of small business owners to dig a bit deeper and explore strengths, weaknesses, ideas, and challenges, with blemishes and all. Chaz Volk is an impressive entrepreneur with just two years of experience. His company, Mr. Thrive Media, produces both podcasts and network parties for emerging artists. You can hear him on the Mr. Thrive podcast. Nick Warner is a very experienced business consultant who brings the best out of his clients. He's intuitive, curious, and tough. I'm proud to say he's one of our impressive advisors at Hot Dog Business Globe and hosts his own podcast, Together at the Top. On this edition of Small BizCast, Nick and I will workshop some challenges and ideas that Chaz has brought to us. As you listen to Small BizCast, you will find comfort in knowing that you are not alone. You will find inspiration and ideas from people I introduce you to, like Nick and Chaz. Hopefully you'll laugh a little too. Hot dog, it's a wonderful life. Well, I must admit to being a little bit nervous about this particular podcast episode because I'm interviewing two people and we're going to workshop one of the two people. And the, the relation is that I'm interviewing a young entrepreneur who's got an idea and has a premise that has some challenges. And I'm going to be interviewing with a colleague of mine, somebody who is, has 20 years of being in business and his, is a business coach now. And I was introduced to this gentleman by the subject, by the person we're, we're going to be coaching. And so I feel like they both know me really well. So let me first introduce Nick Warner. Nick Warner believes that being a good human being often goes hand in hand with being a good business person. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard. No, I'm just kidding. I think that's a work-life balance is a big part of what drives Nick and his 20 years as a, a lobbyist and having a firm in Sacramento has had made, given him a great expertise and a, and a great perspective to help other business people. He uh, lives in Sacramento now. Do you want to tell a little about yourself, Nick? Sure, Joel. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. I was telling you in the the pregame discussion that this has like literally become my favorite podcast. I kind of geek out for it. I, I take notes and I really learn a lot from everybody. So I'm a little intimidated. I hope I was smart as some of the people you've had on. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned it before. I'm a 30 year registered lobbyist in the state of California. Uh, we have clients all over the country. My firm does. Um, I recently transitioned it to my junior partner. So I went through a five year process of transitioning and I've been business coaching for a couple of years. I professionalized it now. Um, and my only goal in life now is to add value to people's life and career. So one of the things that you do is you improve organizational culture and efficiency to help other people's businesses thrive. That's what it says on your website, which brings me to my second guest, who is Mr. Chaz Volk of Mr. Thrive Media. To some, Chaz is Mr. Thrive himself. He works at the intersection of artistry and business. He produces podcasts for mostly business people, and he hosts a monthly online networking event for emerging artists and largely for them to do business with each other. To me, though, Chaz is the person that I've learned most about myself from as long as I've known him. He is, as you may have guessed, my son. He also produces this podcast, and he's been working with me since the very beginning. So Chaz, uh, by, by the way, Chaz, I may be calling you Charlie. To me, you're Charlie. Most people know you as Chaz, but to me, you'll always be Charlie. So I'm going to try my best to keep you as Chaz, but Charlie might eke out once in a while. Listen, I'm very aware of the identity crisis that is my life. And uh, I, I am not, I'm not taking any offense to it. Not, not, not at all. 
It's just honestly, uh, it's great to be here. And like Nick, I'm actually a little intimidated myself because, you know, you I've been a part of this show since day one, producing it on a technical end. And it's been nothing but a privilege to do to work with my father. But I told myself if I ever was going to be on the show that I, I would have earned it. And I like to think I've earned it, but I have a long way to go. And in this show, uh, I will be showcasing the amount of business smarts that I've been able to pick up my few years of business that I've had the experience and privilege of, of having. Now, you and I have to make a little bit of an effort here, Chaz, because um, every once in a while, I'll walk into the room and your mom is on the phone with you on speaker and I hear your voice and I say to myself, Joel, is that you? You and I sound very much alike. So we're going to have to make it a bit of an effort to distinguish ourselves and how we come across here. So I just want to give a heads up to everybody listening that I'm the one that sounds younger and more enthusiastic. You're right. Would I like to, should I raise my voice? Would that be better? Yeah. (laughs) Everyone, Chaz Volk, how are you? My little Chaz. Yeah. You know, I don't have that problem. You have a very distinct voice, which is amazing. So Chaz, tell us about your business challenge. What I'm going to share with you guys is, is a story that I, that I like to share with a lot of people when it comes to telling the, the truncated version of, of how my business came about, right? And that is that, you know, I started this whole entire thing as a hobby. Producing my podcast was something I did out of the green room of uh, a job I was doing in, in Hollywood and in the entertainment and film industry. By the time my dad approached me, I was working at Dave and Buster's in Hollywood doing the backbreaking labor of fixing machines while little children threw balls into them and didn't say thank you. I was doing that kind of grueling work when my father came up to me and he said, you know, I really like what you're doing. Uh, I want a podcast too, but I want to make it about small business. And my first reaction was, oh, God, I don't want to work for you. But (laughs) it was the best thing I ever agreed to doing because my dad became my first client. And arguably, I became my dad's first client because now he is the business coach that you see today. He is the business counselor that comes in and advises and comes in hands-on and is able to help businesses maximize their, their different efforts. And you know he's been able to display his expertise with the podcast. And the podcast was a perfect transitional tool to get him to that place in that career. My dad, in return, helped me learn how to structure this business and kind of woke up this inner monster inside of me, for lack of a better term, that made me realize that business really is the way I want to go currently in life, because it's not only this lucrative path that I can take, but it's genuinely self-empowering. Self-empowering to the point where, uh, as a business owner, there's actually this this common mistake that I'm always uh, checking myself on, and that is understanding the difference between your I and your R, which is your identity and your role. You can always rate your identity, and you can always rate your role. But to mix those two things together is the most dangerous thing ever. Because if you fail in your R or you fail in your I, then it's going to impede on the other. And so that's always a constant balance that I have to remind myself on a regular basis that my I, my identity, and my R, my role are two separate things. So I think what you're saying, sorry to interrupt you, Chaz, but I think what you're saying is that the that not to confuse who you are as a human being with your date with your success as a business person. Is that what you're saying? Success then, or failure. Yeah. Absolutely. Right, right. But the level of, there's no such thing as failure. There's levels of success at different levels. Let's just go with the premise of sure, staying, sure. staying I'll, positive. I'll okay. And so sure. I think what you're saying is that if, if something you try business wise doesn't work out, it doesn't mean you're a bad person and you deserve to be self loathing. Um, Correct. Right. Correct. And, you, and, and you figured out a way to keep those two things separate, which I want to tell you, 
probably took me uh, 25 of my 36 years in business to figure out that that I am not what I do for a living. Is that what you're saying? So a good concept, by the way, proud of you for that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, dad. I'm just going to say dad, not Joel, your dad to me. And okay. I, and, and by the way, let's, let's also negate the fact that you calling me Chaz is also very uncomfortable for you. It's, it's like watching, <laughs> it, it's, it's like watching, uh, uh, someone I'm trying to think of a good analogy. The point is you can call me Charlie. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I, I'm sure I'll do both. It's not that yeah. bad. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is the identity crisis of my life. So podcasting is the primary part of my business. That's the most lucrative part of my business. We're currently serving over, you know, 10 different clients in which you can see uh, all the different titles on our website, mrthrive.com. But if you also go to our website, there's the uh, right half. There's the left half, which is podcast. If you click on the left tab, it takes you to the podcast, go to the right tab, the right half of the, of the website, and that actually takes you to our events. And those events are our networking events. And so that's actually the part of my business that uh, we're going to be showcasing today. We're going to be uh, workshopping today. Um, and so uh, with that, I've prepared kind of a full, uh, without using too many figures, uh, we're, 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 you, we're, this, this, will be, this will be an analysis of that part of the business and how I can be uh, improving upon that. And in advance, I'd like to say to both Nick and my dad, uh, thank you for having me on the show, for kind of letting me take up some time so we can workshop how to improve this part of my business to open up this second stream of income for the business itself and further expand the uh, multiple ways of penetrating this market. So without further ado, here's the sitch. What's the sitch? What we are currently struggling with is establishing a lucrative network. I'd say the end goal is to turn what we're currently coining as the Mr. Thrive Network into uh, a parallel business model to something that like that of uh, provisors. We're trying to create a provisors for artists and creatives. Um, however, that demographic right now, it's really hard to appeal to them because when you're aspiring, the actual game of networking is not as well known but also the fact that when it comes to their dollar, you know, there are many that are unemployed and those who are employed are just, you know, they really do have less time because they get so wrapped up in their work. So you've been doing this how long? This has been going on for over a year. And Started, how, many, how many members do you expect to have? Do you, you believe you have? Well, we, in the Facebook group, we have 255 people who have said that they've, that they're a, a thriver basically. Right, right, right. Um, so, so that's kind of how we're, how we're, uh, calling them this time that we're saying we have 255 members right uh, on a regular basis our events draw in an average of 30 to 40 people attending and and do you get feedback from them that they're getting business from each other yeah absolutely whether sure. it's uh myself who's introducing someone or or someone that they've met that they actually start to collaborate and work together because of it that's great so first of all just you know kudos to you for creating an environment where people who are suffering business-wise because uh, I think you described it really well that the, the entertainment world's half in and half out of the COVID experience and that they're getting hit very hard by that. Um, they don't always have the, 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 the means to promote themselves and you've given them a vehicle to do that. So anyway, thanks for clarifying that. Nick, do you have any questions? I have a lot of questions, but I, I don't know if Chaz is, is done talking yet. No, 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 no. I, I'm not. I'm, the more you talk, the further informed we are. So I'm certainly happy to keep listening. No, please. I would love to. I would love to hear your questions and, and work with that. Work workshop. Okay. 
I'm not sure they're in any particular order, and I appreciate the advance. You know, is it, it, we got a, about a couple hour advance on, on reading the business case, and you're laying it out. That's helpful again because there's more information in there. But maybe I'll start with the number of members. I, I think our esteemed host Joel said something about you have a, a you know well populated membership or a lot of members at 255. That strikes me as is a, a low number given the potential population. You know, like say in and around LA and beyond. So help me a little bit when you say artists and creatives. Let's get a little bit bolder, brighter, and better defined in terms of who are, which artists, what type of artists, and what type of creatives. Defining and the reason I say is I'd like to get, I'm totally making this number up. I'd like to get from 255 to 1,000 within a year and then figure out how do you take 1,000 to 5,000. And again, that's not something I'm expecting you to answer, but like right away, I see 255 seems low to me, but high to you guys. So let's, let's poke at that bullet point a little bit and define it better so we can understand it. Yeah. Great question. Well, first of all, I agree. I want it to be at a thousand people as well. Uh, and then the next year following, let's bring a thousand to 5,000 people. Let's do that. That sounds awesome. I love that idea. So tell me about the artists. What, the artists what, what type of artists, you know, are we talking about singers, songwriters, producers, that sort of thing? Uh, currently the answer is uh, Z, all of the above. And the reason why I say Z is because we're appealing to anyone who has ever had any hand in artistry or creativity. The whole entire point, the idea is currently there are networking groups in Los Angeles and America that uh, bring artists together, but typically they do it by one artist at a time. Back when I used to work as a production sound mixer in the film industry, the only networking event that was made available to me and my union was uh, an event called Mixer for Mixers, which was literally sound mixers and audio engineers coming together to have a quarterly excuse to drink at some pub. Now that's fun. That's a good time, but the only way that sound mixers make get their work is when a producer calls them. So right. then why wasn't I in a room with a producer at the time? That was a problem. That was a real problem. So right. now we're trying to put that upside down on its head so that way we can put the whole blend of things together. Are we mixing professional and recreational as well? Because there's a lot of people that do the B Street Theater on Saturday and they're very serious and they're very good and they're well-trained, but they're not doing it professionally. Is there... You know, for example, a, a professional tab and a recreational tag, if that's the right you know, genre to put on. No, no, that's that's a great way. That's a great question. We have not made that distinction in the people that we're appealing to. We've brought in uh, fire dancers before. We've brought in uh, people who come in uh, to perform uh, really their hobby uh, with with the events. Uh, but then we've also had professionals come in and speak on their on their work. One of the as long as you as long as you don't hold me to this, I'll I'll, I'll throw a like a tagline out. So we have artist creatives and lovers of the arts. Yeah. And I'm just, again, I'm poking at this. So two, you know, you have 255 people that are professional in some way, either aspiring or already professional. And you have to tell me whether these are good ideas or not. I'm darkboarding a little bit, but I mean, I can't even imagine how many serious lovers of the arts. I'm not talking about our friends that like to go to the theater, but I'm talking about people that actually do it in some form or fashion, but are serious about it, but are not professional. So Nick, could that take it from 255 to who only knows what? So what Nick, what I what I'm hearing you say is that in order to, to monetize this to a meaningful level, we need to build, we need to tap into the to the to higher numbers. We need to get more members of more thrivers, rather. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. That's what I'm that's what I'm hearing you say. Um and um and and you're I think you're putting tell me if if, if I'm right here. 
I think you're saying that before we think about money, we have to think about participation. And then we can, at that point, start worrying about money. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think it's a fair statement. I'll rely on my lobbyist experience for a minute because um, I think the best way to win a case is with a great argument. And so what I'm trying to do here is let's see what case we have in our hands. What, what case do we have in terms of like how solid is our argument to, you know, to, to use an analogy, which is the number of members we have. And do we need a stronger argument? In this case, we need more members in order to be serious about real revenue. And just, and just defining, do we have the, the proper universe? For example, we have artists and creatives. And I think at some point we should, maybe not on this particular podcast, but at some point Chad should go back and, and like write down exactly what type of person you're targeting perhaps line that up with the type of people you're attracting and how you're marketing to them. We mentioned, for example, professionals and, um, and serious recreational um, creatives and artists. And then I'll put in, you mentioned Mixer, for example. Should there be some people that are ancillary to the actual stage production, uh, critical to the stage production, and they need to network also? You mentioned, for example, you were with Mixers, but you should have been with producers. Should Mixers and whoever else you know better than I in the technical side of the production should they also, or is there also an opportunity for them to network and again, thus growing your numbers overall in the aggregate? And you know the answer is better than I do. I'm trying to set up a framework for the, you know, for the probative discussion, if you will. Right, exactly. So we're trying to, you know, put together an interesting dichotomy of people. The reason why I say dichotomy is for the sake of, again, we're, we're bringing in what would generally industry standard-wise be considered opposites into one place. And that is really for the sole purpose of being able to advance in the industry, to get you to who you need to know, as opposed to other networks, which again, they don't have that mindset of, of growth. It's more like what tips and tricks can you learn for, from your fellow tradesmen? And then how you uh, enjoy your beer a little bit better with people in your industry and escape yeah. a little escapism. And and Charlie is one of the, is one of the um, challenges also to get producers or decision makers, showrunners, that type of thing, people at the higher end of the echelon to to participate as a thriver. That is that is a current problem as well, where where we have had some of them come as, as guests. For example, we did have. Uh, Rob McKittrick, who is the director and writer of a movie called Waiting, uh, which had Ryan Reynolds in it. Mm -hmm. Ryan Reynolds, before he became really, really big, you know, he, he came in and he talked about his experience as a director and writer for 30 minutes. And that was fantastic. Right. He got incredible engagement. And that went hand in hand with the most common question he got that night, which is how do I become a screenwriter? As soon as his presentation was over, you know, he did leave because he had other things to do. Right. Got it. So he was he was donating his time. He was not there to network himself. Correct. Is that right? And Correct. so so one of the challenges then is to have a product that the DMs, the decision makers, I'll call them that, want to, what do they benefit from? What are, what's in it for them? So we have to provide them with a pool of really good talent on the support side. We need to provide them with a reason to be there besides just being generous with their time. Correct. Correct. So that's one of the challenges too. What, what does the market look like in terms of competitors or what can we learn from them? It's possible you're, you're building the tunnel and, or digging the tunnel and, it's, and you're unique, completely unique. My sense is like, for example, there's an outfit called uh, Film Sprint and they do, it's, it's different, but it's an, uh, an aggregation of, um, you know, uh, of actors essentially. And they do short notice films and, and there are some sponsors and there's some swag and things like that. But are you unique or were you trying to do totally unique? Are there other models or examples or competitors we could learn from? I, I'm sure there are other businesses out there and other networks out there that 
are, are trying to do what we're doing. We have a good relationship with another uh, group in, in the Bay Area, based in the Bay Area, that does very similar work to what we're doing, except they have a rented facility that they use on a regular basis that, that they, they also rent out in the Bay Area. On, on top of that, as a matter of fact, I do know of other Facebook groups, and I've spoken to the admins and some of them, networked with them before. There's a really big one out there called Musicians Unite. And they're trying to do, I would say, what we do, but for musicians. And that's uh, fantastic. That's actually a really great thing that they're building over there. They even have a website where you can submit a profile for free. And then you have, so, so they have that kind of uh, uh, user uh, backend base uh, on a web design line where you can actually fill out your profile the way that you would on a provisor's website. So that's interesting. So they've added, they've added some tech elements to help with the networking experience. Correct. I'm not sure how widely used that website is yet. Right. Um, I yeah. haven't filled out my profile myself. I don't really feel like I belong in the network, but I was invited by the admin to come join the Facebook group. And, right. you know, I talked about potential partnerships uh, and, and, and working with them at some capacity. That's smart. But, uh, you know, at this point, uh, those conversations are still ongoing. So do we know if they're having similar challenges to what you're experiencing? That I do not know. Well, the reason I get, I, the reason I, I ask that question is because maybe there's some alliances that can be created when it comes to attracting members or uh, intermingling uh, events and inter- intermingling discussions and, and uh, marketing uh, marketing tools. So there might be some some there there in terms of collaboration. Which, I love that idea. Which but, in an industry built on collaboration seems like it might be a natural path to take. I would also interject into that discussion if you're if you're able to get into that discussion. What pitfalls can I avoid? What did you find? You know, any any examples? I mean, the, the partnership that Joel mentioned is the most obvious that jumps off the page. But a couple of you know questions after that. One of the things I say is ask the next question. Hey, what should I not do? Or right. what work really quickly? Or you know that sort of thing. Yeah, no, you're right, Nick. I think that's a that's a valid uh, valid challenge to anything we talk about, and and it brings me to a little bit of a thought about this whole forum that. You know, us having this conversation on a 45 minute to an hour podcast isn't going to get a lot accomplished. Hopefully it's going to create some thought and give some people some idea of what the experience of business counseling or coaching offers, because there aren't usually not quick fixes. Usually it's a process of, of, of uh, understanding a different perspective uh, and, and creativity mixed with the pragmatic reality that things cost money and they take time and not every idea can be executed quickly and not every idea has a a resolution immediately you know sometimes these things take a little bit of time so um i I think there's we should understand that but i I would hope that this that as we talk about this uh charlie you come away with some ideas that helps helps inspire you with some action plans and some new thoughts and ideas so Absolutely. No, the, the collaboration is great. And to have two business coaches here with me to, you know, further brainstorm the idea is awesome. So, you know, again, thank you guys for the time and really considering the overall scenario, really. Can I ask you what ideas you've had to uh, start monetizing your network? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, I mean, there's been the first idea, the, the easiest idea of asking for donations at the end of events. And uh, we have, we have done that in the past. And you know, we get a few uh, dollars here and there. Of course, those, those aren't real, those aren't real bucks. Those aren't real membership dollars. You know, it's really just charity. But the reality is we don't want to be looked at as the uh, small band artist group that is asking for tips at the end of a show. 
Right. Uh, because we're always, we're already asking people to do that for our performers who actually come to these events and perform or speak at these events. We do virtual shows during them as well, but part of it makes the experience so great. We've had bands perform. We've had uh, com- stand-up comedians come on. There have been some really fun, lively Zoom calls. Taking- yeah, so they are very unique events. For those of us that have been in the world of business networking for a long time, this has the, the roots of those business networking meetings with, with the heart and soul and the fun of being at uh, an entertainment venue because you've got entertainers doing it. It's a really unique and fun way to network your business. So I, I really commend you for the creativity of that because uh, I never thought of that. And I've been in a thousand networking events of my life, maybe more. And so uh, good for you on that. Um, and that's, that's part of the appeal, I believe, correct? Absolutely. I think uh, one of my favorite events that we got to put on was uh, during February of 2020, we did our, oh no, must've been February, 2021. It was February, 2021. We did our black history month event, did a fundraiser for this group called the soul children of Chicago. There was an all black gospel uh, choir group that uh, performed internationally and they came and brought in alum to perform. We had an opening and a closing performances all in the efforts to fundraise for uh, the soul children of Chicago. And man, I've never seen a zoom call so lively before in my life while still having that networking route in between it. We typically open with a, we open with, we open with a group. We go into two rounds of breakout rooms. Our closer is always our headliner and it's always a pretty epic time. I think that's amazing. We are going to take a short break and be right back. Small BizCast is proud to support Fit for the Cause. Fit for the Cause is the leading organization in fitness for low-income and special needs communities. Founded in response to the national health crises, Fit for the Cause has used licensed and COVID-conscious trainers to keep their members active, even during the pandemic. Offering physical training, nutrition, and a variety of classes, members benefit from the same resources given to Special Olympic athletes. So stay active now by going to www.fitforthecause.org. That's fit, the numeral four, thecause.org. You may remember Janice Miller of Miller Haga Law Group from our episode, Saving Nigel in season one. Miller Haga supports businesses of all sizes from large to small. No matter what phase your business is in, from startup to wind down, Miller Haga Law Group acts as your innovative general counsel. Their experienced team of lawyers will keep the gears of your business turning. If you want to minimize your liability while maximizing your profits with competent and efficient counsel, contact MillerHaga.com for more information. That's MillerHaga, H-A-G-A.com. Welcome to our new sponsor, Jorgensen HR. Jorgensen HR believes that an employer's workforce is the single key to customer satisfaction, reputation growth, profitability, and the ultimate success of the company. Jorgensen HR works to ensure that employers are in compliance with federal, state, and local HR laws and helps assist them with almost everything else HR. Driven by passion and guided by expertise, Jorgensen HR. Please remember to mention Small BizCast when you call 661-600-2070 or visit them online at jorgensenhr.com. If you know of anyone who feels lonely on their way to the top, I can help. Hot Dog Business Growth is for companies of all sizes. For people new to business, we offer the Pay It Forward Roundtable, a monthly half-day panel discussion with your peers 
coupled with one-to-one -one private counseling with me. This is super affordable and the best OJT you'll ever get as you learn to grow your business. For the more seasoned, Hot Dog Business Growth offers counseling for leadership and teams. We offer sales strategies and team synergy, as well as customer service assessments and training. Our decades of business experience is on tap for you and your team. Schedule your no obligation conversation at hotdogbizgrowth.com. We are back with Chaz Volk of Mr. Thrive Media and Nick Warner of Nick Warner Consulting. So it's showcasing the artists, right? Mm -hmm. It's inspiring the participants. Right. And it's fostering the networking. Mm -hmm. Right? Isn't the question you asked how he started to monetize it though, or how he's monetized it? Right. Right. I'd like to hear more about that. Absolutely. So the most effective monetization that we currently have going on is uh, sponsorships. And the sponsorships, they're good. Of course, they don't cover all of the costs because we also have we have our we have our staff members. We have Izzy Salant, who is our community outreach and business development. And then we also have Amanda Friedlander, who is our blog writer and uh, community engager. So with that, with that accompaniment, along with the account, the, the you know, the time it takes to, to manage the, the Zoom account, along with uh, the actual payments of the Zoom account itself, you know, there are obvious costs in there. Um, but our sponsorship has been great. We've been sponsored by a, a photographer out here uh, in Southern California, goes by the name of Sean Barrett Photography. And uh, he's done all of the photography for my website, um, as well as uh, the social media and digital marketing that we do. So we, ha I have, we have a great relationship with this brand of photography. It's awesome. But, you know, the, we've, we've played around with the idea of uh, memberships. You know, what would a membership fee look like? Putting a paywall, what would the paywall, how would the paywall affect uh, current membership in the Myth to Thrive network? Would that discourage it? And we believe, yes, it would. We haven't tried it, but we do believe that it would discourage uh, membership for the sake of, again, this is the hardest hit demographic from the pandemic. Have you um, have you surveyed any of your thrivers? We have done a survey, yeah. And what kind of responses did you get to, I mean, what kind of questions did you ask, of course, and then what kind of responses did you get? Well, the goal of that survey was to see what are you guys willing to pay for, right? And so um, they said that they liked the idea of being introduced to uh, the mentors, they like being introduced, they had the idea of being introduced to mentors that could, that could be like a long-term relationship for them. Right. Uh, they like the idea of some sort of monthly subscription service of, of receiving merch, uh, for the company. They did like that. They did like that idea. So like it wasn't a, a primary, it wasn't a primary, uh, right. it wasn't a primary interest, but they did, did like the idea of receiving clothes that had Mr. Thrive Media's logo on it, along with some like cool trendy designs from local artists and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so that was that was one way as well. Th those are the two uh, primary ways right now, or three primary ways right now, which we're doing that. And did you have a big enough sampling that you got a good idea of what what people are willing to do? Or was it a small sampling? Quite frankly, it was a small sampling. The responsiveness of surveyors was, I would say, around thirty people. Okay, got it. So about the amount of people that show up for events. About the amount of people that show up for events, but it, it took a lot of it took a lot of effort to get them to reply to surveys. Right. Do you think that's just the nature of the community? It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Right. Did you ask the question all or nothing with respect to the paywall or or uh, you know advanced subscription service? Would they pay? You're asking. Did I ask? Well, I guess I, yeah, I'm an artful how I said what I guess what I should have said is, could folks still stay free and other folks could pay for premium? Or is it all or nothing? We'd be all subscription or all 
non-subscription. Oh, I see. I, I see. You get saying. advanced features, like for example, you mentioned mentoring, and I had written down in, in my notes access to one-on-one. You, you put a different moniker on it, but you know, for example, you pay a subscription service and, and you have next level access to, and it could be another thing I have on my notes is um, continuing education or um, ways for them to get education and training through this network, whether it's one-on-one or in a group setting. And so they'd pay either for the class or for the training or for access to one-on-one mentors. So, yeah, might, so might the model work on that, Nick, where, um, where Mr. Thrive Media will uh, collaborate with, let's say, a professional training course, and then as he drives business, he gets they, they get a, a, a percentage of the business that goes directly there. Would that help be how the model works? You know, I hadn't worked it all the way out, but I think that's definitely the next part of the conversation. I'll attach that to something else I had on my notes, which is the potential for academia to be involved in some way. Whether, whether there's a certification process. And so the people in this network, in addition to networking, they go through some training and they get a certification, whether it's attached to some outside school that's a sponsor or not, I'm not sure, but some advanced way that they actually get a tangible um, result from their time spent in addition to access to mentors and groups and, and trainings, that sort of thing. They actually come away with, I've been I've been trained through, through this network. So that sounds like a really great avenue to explore because what it essentially does Mr. Thrive is it puts you in the position of being part of the marketing arm for the company providing the training and gives you a vehicle towards for them to also drive business to you because you would then share some collaborative marketing and because your um, your approach is really a entertaining network approach you might be a much more attractive thing to market than come learn how to be a better sound mixer. So, yeah, so, you, so you, you become a, so, so as a, uh, as an affiliate, you become a, a, an arm of theirs and they become an arm of yours and together, you know, you have a, you're both in your businesses grow. So I, I like that approach a lot. I think it's worth exploring for sure. That you took my infant idea and you, you put uh, some maturity to it. So I appreciate the team support of that. <laughs> yeah, no. That's what I do. I don't have any original thoughts ever. I just uh, expand on other people's original thoughts. You've, you've, you've uh, now exposed my secret, Nick. <laughs> I, I was going to say that the idea of white labeling uh, the services of, acad- of an academia of some kind is, is a very appealing idea. I think that that can, that, that certainly could have a, a, a certain help, especially with like uh, acting classes. For example, um, acting schools in LA, they, they are uh, on the more expensive side, as far as I understand. Actors who don't earn that much to begin with when they're starting out pay an arm and a leg for uh, these, uh, these courses that become a part of their livelihood. Um, and, and in many ways for them, those classes are uh, networking in some ways, yeah. uh, where it's, it's common for a group of actors who form a clique with inside these acting schools, uh, kind of become friends with each other. And they said, oh, let's let's create like a little like acting troupe and like film each other and, and try to just like make some like little home home videos and, and really practice our craft and try to make something funny that can get viral on YouTube. You know, and that, that's a lot of the time how these comedy groups get formed is for these kind of connections like that. So if there's some way we can have a hand in it uh, with, with that process, that could be really great. And that might even op- open up the opportunities to uh, uh, land some venues, some potential venues that we could work in and host events in. Oh, you're so. exactly right. That's a great, great addition to that uh, because then it gives you the place to maybe, uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. So you could have an in-per- in-person uh, mixer 
and get some of these people who have never met each other to meet right. in person at the site of the school that's going to do the classes that you just described. Uh, brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. I can see a situation where you're in competition with the schools, but I can also very much see situations where you're in, in concert with them and symbiotic. And it may be different school to school or geography to geography, but I can see it both ways. Well, I, I could almost see it if I if I play the cards correctly, we could create such a demand between the different acting schools that the acting schools only continue to compete against each other, and we just become a we just become a desired vendor in that situation. Yeah. So, how would Chaz protect himself from them just taking his idea and running with it and just doing it themselves? How would he protect that? Asking the next question. Well, wait, that's not an original idea, though. That's not that doesn't need a patent, though. No, but it, it probably it probably desi- deserves a, a unique value proposition that is, is hard to replicate. I and see. So because, yeah, I don't think you can patent it. I don't think you could patent a networking event. But how does um, if I'm an acting school, uh, I may want to you know sponsor this thing, but I don't want another acting school there. So how do I? Um, how do I protect, you know, how, how do you protect them from just taking your idea and running with it? And how do you protect them? How do you keep them from wanting to do that? And maybe exclusivity becomes it. You could be, you know, the official networking host of the XYZ acting school and of the XYZ technical school and of the XYZ film school and of the XYZ film the blank school. And so those, those folks then network with each other because sometimes they're collaborating with the same people they're trying to attract the same same people but they're not competing against each other aren't there legal contracts aren't there legal contracts for that kind of partnership for those kind of things sure sure i think the better inoculation is your membership is providing unique value to your membership Um, right and and also price point though you mentioned yourself the the acting schools are expensive and your niche could be the price point you're much more accessible you're much more accessible in a medium that they can actually access right now especially if la is the you know, the biggest market. I want to push you on that. Also, I want to learn more about the geography, not just the, the, the genres or the type of professionals or even recreationalists, but also the geography that you're targeting because it's a pretty big country and I guess potentially a big world, but more likely a big country. Um, but I think your membership is the best inoculation, providing service to them in a manner that is unique and accessible. And it's just not as much interest to them. But again, to the original point, I think there will be some partnership opportunities and there will be some people you talk to that, furrow their brow and see you as immediate competition. But, um, you know, just like people didn't leave Joel's company, people for the most part didn't leave my company. We had a lot of competitors. We provided great service and great value at, a, um, I'd say, a price they can afford, but they didn't always agree. They just stayed. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to tell you a, a real-life affiliation that worked for me, by the way. I did this many years. I did it with the, the um, Los Angeles Area Health Underwriters. I became the official copier provider for the LA, it's called LAHU. And I would go to all their trade show events. And then if they were a LAHU member, we gave them preferred pricing over non-LAHU events. So I was that, that got me in with a tremendous amount of health insurance and life insurance agents in the, in the city. I did that with at least three bar associations. I was the San Fernando Valley Bar, the Beverly Hills Bar Association, and I think I think one of the other Inland Empire uh, Bar Association companies. I wanted to attract lawyers. I went, who are my clients and who's, who spends the most money in the copy world? And I made my company the official copier company of, of those. And I negotiated special rate. I used my suppliers to say, I'm going to bring you all the lawyers in the Beverly Hills Bar Association. I want to give them preferred pricing. So I didn't even have to cut into my margins. Because I let I let them I let the manufacturers cut into their margins to let to produce that. So this is a very doable uh, partnership, is what I'm getting at. 
I, right. I did it many times. It really helped me get over the hump many times in, in my business. And it gave me a, a, a what I used to call as a hunting license. Because if I called up and said, hey, I'm selling copiers and hang up. And if I said, hey, I'm the official copier company of the LA Bar Association, would you like to, you know, kind of, we're one of the benefits that you're paying for by your membership. You know, it, it helped me get through the door, help my sales team get through the door by having that moniker. And it gave us some instant credibility because those folks did their due diligence to make sure that we were a good company. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of there, there when it comes to an endorsement from a company. So they get to know you make that, that becomes your mission that is to become the product for them and let them then market it to their constituents and vice versa. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. And I love that idea. I love the idea of it, it, it goes very hand in hand with what the brand is trying to do. Again, this, this is aspiring talent. Uh, and then talent is generally a used word to only describe actors, but I'm talking about the general scope of what, you know, what talent means. This is a general talent of people that are emerging. They're trying to get to the next step in their career. And so the idea of partnering with various forms of academia, uh, I think is a great is a great step for sure. That's really helpful. That's a great idea. Thank you. You you just mentioned get to the next step of your career. I want to talk about empathy, which I think is can be an overused term, but is also really important because I think no matter who you're talking to, whether it's the school, I want to also interject the union, um, the potential member, the potential sponsor. The question is why do they care? Why should they care? And it's really interesting what you just said to me to get to the next step of your career. That's a really powerful thing. I mean, it really is. And I know there's a competition in that, but you provide it in a unique way. And if you flip the script and think about the other people you're trying to connect to and connect with and really think hard about why would they care and approach them, because you're trying to professionalize this, you're trying to make money out of it, which is not what you would say. It's what you're saying here. It's rubbing a workshop. But the story about you is less interesting than why they should care. And for sure, I care if you can help me get to the next step in an accessible, affordable way. That's actually fun as well. And it'll be different for whoever you're talking to. The school will be different. The union will be different. The, each, you know, the, the sponsor you have, the photographer, I can see that. But I would want to ask him, hey, go back. I would want to ask you, hey, go back and ask your sponsor what he gets out of it. And let's match that up with other potential sponsors and go to them with really specific tailored reasons why they should care. Because I think you're onto something here without question. So might, he, uh, might a survey question be to his thrivers start with the premise of we want to know where we should add value to your affiliation with, with Mr. Thrive Media. How do you spend your time with professional development? What do you do to become, to learn your craft better? How do you, how do you uh, become better at what you do and sort of get to the nitty gritty of what's, what's important. And so then he knows then where to focus that, that energy. Does that. And I had one more question to that. Of course. Impressive list, which is what are your barriers to entry? Right. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love that. Yeah, just get right to it. What's keeping you from succeeding? Yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. It makes perfect sense. And it's very perceptive of you, Nick, because the the empathy factor is a huge motivation for this, for, for what we're doing here. When I, and, and my dad can attest to this, he, he witnessed this entire experience, but, you know, I went to San Francisco State as a cinema, uh, you know, as a cinema major. I graduated with my Bachelor of Arts degree. And then, you know, that whole entire senior year of college, I spent that time raising money, working at Blaze Pizza uh, so I could go travel Europe. So I had this two month heaven fantasy vacation of, you know, traveling around and, you know, seeing this really beautiful experience across Europe. And then suddenly I had my oh shit moment, which is when I come back home and I don't have a job and I used all my money for, for the Europe trip as I'm supposed to do. 
And I'm realizing, oh God, how do I get into the film industry? And I realized I don't know a single person because my studies were in San Francisco and I don't know anyone in LA. And so I tried my darndest to, to break in in some way. And I would pick up little jobs here and there that, you know, didn't really, they weren't, they didn't bring in a living. They, 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 these were little like volunteer PA work, PA, PA jobs or volunteer sound mixing jobs here and there. So how do you get started? And that was a very frustrating point. That was the most depressed I'd ever been in my entire life. That going back to the I and R discussion talked at the very beginning, that messed with my I and R. And, you know, I, I would say my I at the time was probably uh, a two and my R was probably about the same. You know, I was depressed in every meaning of the word um, until I started to kind of think about the different ways that I could be innovative on my own and grow out of that. And that's what really saved me, I would say. So all to say, that empathy aspect is something that I think we need to communicate more within the network as well and help them understand why we're introducing this academia uh, as well. I think that that would be incredibly pivotal and for the sake of appealing to ethos, path, uh, pathos and logos, tapping into the pathos in a much more impactful way because pathos is what really grabs people in in the form of art and communication. I agree. It's really similar to you hear people that are inventors and some invent product to go find the market and others see a problem and develop a product to it. I think you've built a model where 255 people that are loyally following participating tells you you've got something going. People are not going to waste their time. Your sponsors are not going to waste their money. But getting to the next step of where's the need in, the, in this survey idea, I like that a lot and really being thoughtful and even maybe finding a, a person or two to check your work. Are you asking the right questions? Does this speak to you before you put it out? Use a couple of your more communicative members to have them double check your work, you're asking the right probative questions. Because I think once you find out what issues they're trying to solve for, you probably hit, if there's 10, you're probably hitting three or four now squarely, just based on the loyal membership. Um, but there may be a bunch out there that you haven't thought of or tweaks in different ways, and even in the way they consume it. So I think asking your membership really smart questions, uh, which is a great way to sell. I mean, it's to me, that's the root of sales is curiosity and asking people what they need and what are your barriers to entry. Um, and you have a really nice sample survey and 255 members to do that from. Yeah, very well put. Very well put. I, I'm afraid that we're just running out of time because I could talk about this all day long. And I'm sure the both of you can as well, from what I can see. Uh, any closing, closing thoughts? Uh, any takeaways from you, Chaz? I didn't learn a single thing. No, I, <laughs> I wanted to say that um, this has been a, a huge help. Uh, and I want to thank uh, my dad and the host of the show, Joel Volk. Uh, first of all, great job hosting it and great job kind of helping build the narrative around this, which is incredibly insightful. Nick, thank you for bringing in your insight and finding a way to articulate the not only the questions that need to be asked, but also the process and the ability to step in the shoes of the uh, consumer in this case. That was really helpful. So, so thank you for that. I can't wait to take this podcast. First of all, I'm going to produce it and distribute it and market the heck out of it, as I always do, because that's my job. But what I'm also going to do is I'm going to send this to uh, Izzy and Amanda, and I'm going to get them to listen in on it and see what they think of it in terms of the direction of where we're taking uh, the brand and the company. One thought I have currently, it's not an official idea. I'm giving you guys, the listeners of Small BizCast, the Small Biz Warriors here, a little insight into my business, I'm contemplating right now not doing any events for December. So that way we can really focus our efforts on R&D because that's kind of what I'm getting right now is that going into 2022, 
this can be lucrative, but those partnerships need to be formed. The other potential you know, profit points need to be uh, established and understood in a, in a full way. And in order to do that, we need a, a, all hands on deck. That needs to be uh, a full concept. What's the uh, risk you're taking if you don't have it in December? Well, I think the risk we're taking is really one missed event. It's not the first time that we've taken a month off to not do an event before, right. by the way. You know, we, we did that once when we thought we were going to be able to go back to, you know, for our first in-person networking event. We were excited to uh, partner up with an art gallery and actually be able right. to, to open up and do that. And then COVID cases uh, started rising again. We had our, I guess, fourth wave, of, if that's what it's called now, our fifth wave, whatever one. We had a new wave of COVID come in that impeded it. And we were like, well, we don't want to cause any harm. We, want, we don't want to add any numbers to the statistic. Let's, let's be nice to everyone here and, and hang right. back and be conservative about it. Mm-hmm. Especially because this stage of the business is, is still experimental. It's still beta testing. Right. So maybe this is, maybe this is a, a good call for holding back for December. So that way that time is used for R&D. Very good. And, and Nick, anything you'd like to close with? I'd like to get your closing thoughts. I really want to say that, as I said, when I started, I was a little bit nervous. I'm not usually a nervous person, but I was a little bit nervous to have this, uh, this conversation, this trialogue, because I didn't, uh, we didn't have a lot of bones to it. It was not really structured and we didn't know where it was going to go. And I just want to thank you for helping me with your perspective. I think your approach is, is very effective. I can see why you're an excellent business development coach. I can see it because you just have a, a very clear way of communicating. You seem to have a process that really uh, challenges the status quo and, uh, and you're not uh, Pollyanna about it. You just go at it and in a very direct way, which I think has a lot of, um, it, it has a lot of traction. It means I'm sure things move quickly in your, in your world and people have quick results and quick answers to questions, but they seem to get there themselves because you're a question answer asker not a you know you're not you're not you know uh throwing out your ideas you're asking questions to get them there on their own i really love that and i aspire to be more like that so um but anything you'd like to add um when i first when i first read the business case i was underwhelmed by it and now i'm lit up by it i have notes all over my page uh any concern about uh, this being thin is quickly um covered by Chaz's explanation of what's going on here. So like the more you talk, the more lit up I got about it. And when you, when you talk about, I'm not a teller, I'm a, I'm a seeker and I'm curious. This is a team sport. Coaching to me is a team sport. People misunderstand, for example, you hire a coach and the money truck just backs up and all your problems go away. <laughs> That's not it. Um, I, I aspire to work with it. If you look at my website, nickwarnerconsulting.com, you'll see I'm working with either already successful people like Chaz, um, and or really motivated people that aren't yet as successful as they want to be like Chaz. Um, and so I do well to put my head together with them and to ask them questions because they got here for a reason. I don't have it all figured out. And we ma- when we match wits is really when we get good result because I don't think I told you anything. I think we poked at the situation. And, you know, there's a lot of nodding heads and people taking notes. And I think we're all starting to see the world's a possibility. And we just started this conversation so uh, I hope we made some advances for you. You lit me up and I appreciate a chance to be part of, of, of the conversation. And I want to ask the listeners to give me some feedback. Would you like to see a second episode of this? The one that continues the conversation, maybe follows up in a few months and see 
uh, where we went. I think it would be a really interesting episode. I'm just spitballing here, but uh, I, I, I suspect it'll be a very interesting episode. I, I, uh, I love this conversation. I think it's the type of conversation that inspires a lot of people. It certainly would inspire me. Yes, sir. Can I say, can I say one more thing? And I'll, I'll come find you offline too. So I have some other things, but I, I think you have some pretty interesting people coming through your program that are lighting people up, whether it's the band or the comedian or the the songwriter or the singer or the producer, I would capture them as either alumni and advisory board, um, whatever you, there's you know, what we could figure out the right name, but I think you've got some pretty impressive people that have spent time and energy and I'm a fisherman. So forgive me, but I think good bait catches good fish. And when you can, you know, when you can show people the level of professionals you're working with, I think that can really be enticing. And so don't just let them drive by. I would capture them. And my guess is they probably had a great experience. They'd be really happy to lend their name. You probably don't need anything from them per se, but to have an alumni, an advisory board, a board of directors, you know, whatever you decide to call it, um, I, th I think is attractive both for your members and growing the membership, but also for attracting other big names or just impactful people because they know other people of substance have lent their time and energy to your efforts. Great advice. Couldn't, uh, couldn't have had that. I, that was a thought I had as well to have an advisory board. And uh, your comment about fishing, good bait is good fish, explains why you always call me chum. So now I understand. So <laughs> I'm going to uh, turn this off now. I think we've said enough and got give everybody a good taste of what this is like. And thank you very much, uh, Chaz, Charlie, my son, Mr. Thrive, my producer. Um, I, I really admire your ability to open up and be honest in a way that makes you vulnerable and makes you open to uh, advice. You're one of the most coachable people I've ever met. And uh, I can tell you, it's not hereditary. It's a, it's a hard thing. To, it's very hard for me. And, as, and in this career where I'm doing business counseling, I've realized that that's, that, that, that's a gift in itself to be able to be open to um, other people's perspectives without being defensive or find it, it to be an insult in any way. And I really admire your ability to do that. I think I've said that to you privately, but I want to say it publicly as well. Well, thank you, Dad. That really means the world. And, and again, I want to just reiterate a thank you and uh, say that focusing on this part of the business that, again, is experimental, that has been a puzzle to figure out in this time, uh, it is coming together. I can see more of the picture forming as we speak. And I, again, cannot wait to kind of pass this idea along to those that I work with on this uh, beautiful experiment that I've, that I've been able to yeah. start off with them. Yeah, so. I should be proud of it. I'm glad you are. Thanks, guys. Well, Chaz and Nick, this has been a great episode. Chaz, I'm so impressed with your ability to be open and vulnerable and to tell the truth in front of all these millions of people. Okay, all the people that are listening. I think it takes courage and self-confidence to do that. And I applaud you. And Nick, you're a fantastic executive coach and business coach. And I think that anybody who works with you is going to just hit it out of the park. I'm so proud to work with you on Hot Dog Business Growth, to be an affiliate advisor on that platform. Together, we collaborate and share referrals and hopefully all of our clients are thrilled at the collaboration. There's also several other people at Hot Dog Business Growth that are great collaborators, people who have different expertise from conflict resolution and nonprofit philanthropy experts to DEI consultants and business processes and disruption mitigation 
any discipline that you might need to help with the business challenge, we have a great team of people. Please check out our team on hotdogbusinessgrowth.com. Thank you to all our listeners. Without you, we are nothing. And what I mean by that is you're constantly sending us ideas and suggestions and notes, things that help us be better. So please keep doing that. And please keep sharing the podcast with people that you think will benefit from listening to it. It's a labor of love for me. And I'm proud to be uh, in my third year of Small BizCast. Hot dog, it's a wonderful life. Ben Skeet is a sales trainer for a very large sales organization. Having trained hundreds of reps, he's seen it all. Ben will share his keen observations and some tips for success on the next Small BizCast. Here's a sneak peek. We can teach a sales rep to believe that being a servant, that being curious, that, that coming to, to customers with that mentality is the right way to go. And they can repeat it with their mouth and they can kind of mimic all of the actions, but at the end of the day, you put them in a vacuum, they're gonna do what they wanna do. Uh, you know, values are caught, they're not taught. Right? They've gotta be modeled, they've gotta be mentored, they've gotta be reinforced. And if that's not happening top down, it's very difficult for an environment to, to allow for that kind of uh, sales development. Small BizCast drops every other Tuesday. Follow us on our socials for business tidbits and special offers. Thanks again for our sponsors, the Miller Haga Law Group and Mercury Document Imaging. And remember to support Fit for the Cause. And of course, thanks to my producer, Chaz Volk of Mr. Thrive Media. Couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much for listening. Hot dog. It's a wonderful life.